When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to relax with some peaceful meditation. And then we're going to count down the top five things worth waiting in line for. I, there were days when I would wake up in the morning and I wouldn't be even able to move. And for a 13-year-old, that really isn't ideal. <laughs> That's why it's so personal. That's why it's so intimate. Because your inhales and your exhales, your breath um, cycles in any given moment are completely different from the person next to you. Every person that starts taking yoga classes loves coming to class because the teacher tells them what to do. But once you really start feeling yoga in your body, you will realize that the real yoga starts and ends with you. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So if you're listening to this episode when it first came out in March of 2020, you know that right now is a pretty stressful time. With coronavirus, fears of the economy, what's going to happen next, all of that. We thought it'd be a really good idea to just look at some ways that people can relax and take care of themselves. And yoga is a fantastic way to do that. Our first guest is one of the best yoga teachers that's out there. She's taught thousands of people all over the world. And I think that she has this really great message about how you can just take a little bit of time to take care of yourself, both physically and mentally. This is Carla Tafra. So why yoga? What is it about it that, that really kind of attracted you? Well, um, yoga came into my life at a really interesting time. I was only 13, and back home in Croatia, where I'm from, uh, it wasn't a very popular form of exercise, let's say. I was a dancer growing up, and ballet really uh, screwed with my back. I really had a lot of lower back issues, and I just, I, there were days when I would wake up in the morning and I wouldn't be even able to move. And for a 13-year-old, that really isn't ideal, <laughs> especially if you have no other underlying conditions or injuries. So my doctor at the time, he advised uh, yoga. And given that that was almost 16 years ago now, 
nobody in my country really knew much about it. So when he said yoga, I thought meditation and I told him, what, what do you mean? How is sitting cross-legged and like meditating going to help my back? And he said, no, no, there's a studio here, uh, in the capital where I lived that actually does yoga movement yoga. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's try it. And I was always very, give me anything physical and I'll do it. So I went, I tried it and I fell in love. I realized that it worked so well in conjunction with my trainings, with uh, my already dance flexibility and mobility drills, uh, but that it actually further enhanced my movement, made my back stronger and helped me actually survive all the crazy rehearsals and classes without much issue. So that's why yoga <laughs> and it stayed there because I realized how much it transferred into every other aspect of my life, how it made me calmer, how it made me see the world through, you know, different perspectives and, and different eyes in a way. Is there something fundamentally different about yoga than just regular stretching that people do at the end of a workout? Like what's, what's the difference there? So the difference is the breath and the mindful movement of it. Um, the, the exercises themselves, the moves, the asanas aren't that important in terms of uh, how long you stay in them or how flexible you are or even how old you are. It's about getting into that uncomfortable situation and making it comfortable. So trying to tune into your breath, trying to understand that every inhale and every exhale um, is a move in itself and that your moves last as long as your inhales and exhales. So really trying to dive deep into that mind to muscle connection and get some stillness, stillness of body, stillness of mind, you know, that's what they say. So trying to lower your stress, lower your anxiety, um, get you ready for anything that you might be facing in, in, in your day. So yoga, yoga brings that peace of calm into your life. Um, especially if you allow it. How do you kind of really get yourself into that? I'll use the phrase like zone, so to speak. I mean, it seems like such a harder thing to do in practice than it is just in, in, in theory. It might sound like the hardest thing to do, but it's actually the easiest thing you can do because every person can do it no matter how old they are no matter where in life they are if they've never practiced if they've been practicing for years the only thing you have to do is tune into your own breath so that's why for every person their yoga will be different that's why it's so personal that's why it's so intimate because your inhales and your exhales your breath um, cycles in any given moment are completely different from the person next to you or even from yourself a day ago. So if you're facing um, an anxious or stressful situation and you find yourself breathing shallower, yoga can help you get back into that deeper um, breath movement that can actually feel uh, throughout your whole body that you can just feel your body move and the flow of energy go through your body just by tuning into your breath because you realize that you can actually 
find moments of peace and self-care and rest within your own breath without even having to do anything but close your eyes. I've done yoga a couple of times and I've tried to focus on the breath necessarily, but I always had something else that was kind of distracting me popping into my mind. What advice would you give somebody like me who tries to do it, but kind of keeps feeling pulled out of it? Just come back to it, you know, because in today's world, uh, it's very difficult to, to kind of expect that we won't be distracted by anything. So trying not to not be distracted is kind of the goal. So don't be so opposed to being distracted. Just when those thoughts come in or when you start looking around, just come back to it. You can always come back to your breath because we're constantly breathing. We never stop. So your breath will always be there. And it's your best possible focus area because you can always come back to it. So even if you find yourself uh, in class and you're looking around and you're thinking about the email that you have to send or how you have to still go to the grocery store and it's, um, and now's the rush hour and everything is going crazy, you can always come back to your breath. It doesn't mean that you won't get distracted again, <laughs> but that's the beauty of it. You can just always come back to it. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. And I get distracted too. Even though I've been doing this for years, it is hard. But, you know, trying to get back to it every time, because every time you roll out your mat, it's a different situation. It's a different day. And you might be feeling a completely different way. I know there's a number of different types of yoga. Is there one that's <laughs> necessarily better than the other? No. They all stem from the same concept, and that is to focus on your own breath. And every person is different. Um, every body is different. And every person has a different um, level of mobility, flexibility, and even fitness, you know, because you, need, you don't need to be in a headstand or do a split or whatever. You just need to be there with yourself and feel your body. So my favorite uh, yoga style, let's call it like that, is vinyasa because it means the flow. And with flow, for me, you're moving from one pose to another, and you're actually feeling the energy go from one pose to another. And being a dancer, that's kind of um, why I was so drawn to it. But they all stem from the same source, and there isn't one that's better than the other. The only thing that I would always say is that with today's um like I mentioned, a lot of different new and emerging styles and mashups and mix-ups. I would, I would just be cautious of that because a lot of things today are called yoga and they are not. <laughs> How can somebody tell the difference between something, maybe a stretch or a position or where they can't do it yet as opposed to like, look, your, your body is not built like this. You can't do this one. How can people tell the difference between something they need to work on and something they shouldn't be maybe doing? Well, this is a very difficult um, question um, to figure out by yourself. Uh, I would always say stay away from anything that causes you pain and anything that is past your comfortable level, let's say, because some poses can be a little bit uncomfortable, but nothing that keeps you from... Uh, breathing normally. So I would always say try to use your breath um, to go 
deeper into the pose. But if you feel like you're getting out of breath, if you're feeling like you're trapped in a way or any pain, then that might mean two things. It might mean that you're still not there or maybe your body can't move a certain way. It's very hard to kind of figure it out because yoga in a way never stops. There isn't an ending. So you can find a certain progression maybe five years down the road. Because maybe right now your body is dealing with a certain a certain uh, limitation in your spine or in your muscles that need to be worked from one side uh, in order to open up on the other. So I would just say avoid pain. Yeah, and then you'll know because if fifteen years down the road you still can't do something, maybe you won't. <laughs> Is there a certain like philosophy that you have in your own practice? You're going to start with this pose. You're going to hold it for this amount of time. Like what do, what do you do? Yes and no. Um, generally, I every time I roll out my mat, I assess how I feel. Is there something that I need to work on today more because I feel tight in certain areas? Uh, or do I feel completely fine and I can take it a little bit? Uh, tougher. Um, it's, it really depends on how I feel. But basically, whenever I do my own practice, I try to follow uh, the, the normal principles um, and the traditional principles of Ashtanga Yoga, uh, which begin with standing positions, uh, then balancing positions, then seated, and then lying. Because at the end, you finish uh, yoga practice with Shavasana, also known as corpse pose. So everything you do until that point prepares you for the corpse pose, where you'll be lying on the floor, eyes closed, uh, your legs sprayed down, and your arms uh, completely relaxed beside you. So you can completely relax. And that is basically what I always teach. I start with standing, then go to sitting, and then end in lying. Uh, but yeah, for me, it just depends on the day. There are some days when all I want to do is just lie and twist. And that's okay. That's my yoga for the day. It doesn't have to be 60 minutes. It doesn't have to be 75. It could be literally 15 minutes. But for me, it's more about moving my body and feeling the energy flow through my body, even if it means just stretching on the floor, lying and resting. <laughs> so I think that um, every person that starts taking yoga classes loves coming to class because the teacher tells them what to do. But once you really start feeling yoga in your body, you will realize that the real yoga starts and ends with you. So your own breath, your own feeling, your own assessments will be what will guide your practice. Your body will tell you if you know how to listen to it. <laughs> What's a common mistake that most people make? Like in, when you're instructing people, you see uh -huh. this mistake most often. People go way past their limits because they see somebody else in class doing something and they try to copy that person. So it's very hard, you know, it's very hard to, to remove that competitive side from some people because they feel like they're not good enough or they feel like they will never be good at that or they just feel like they should be better than they are. So going past your, your limits, your, your, uh, 
current level of fitness or flexibility or mobility is what bothers me the most as a teacher because that is a high risk of injury. And I don't like, um, I don't like seeing those things because it's difficult to, to come to those people and tell them that they need to scale back because then they feel like they're not good enough. So you really need to thread lightly and try to explain to them that by doing certain things a different way, they will achieve better progress over time rather than trying to like force themselves into a certain pose, which just isn't accessible by their bodies yet. What do you think of kind of all of the new variations, so to speak, that come out like hot yoga and all these Fusion. Yoga is not new. Um, it, it's not new, and uh, the only difference between uh, yoga and hot yoga, basically, is the temperature of the room. It's definitely not not new, but Bikram uh, was the one who introduced it to the West, um, and. I, I like it for one reason. I don't like it for another. I don't think it's for everyone, definitely. Um, hot yoga uh, is great for opening your body, for giving your body a little bit more flexibility and mobility. Uh, but there are certain things that I'm not a big fan of. Uh, for example, your heart rate can go pretty high up. And for some people, that's definitely not safe. Um, it can be harder to breathe. Uh, definitely, you cannot breathe deep. So, therefore, the whole move with your breath is kind of hard to do. Um, and also, for people who sweat a lot, uh, it can be very risky um, when they're not using proper mats and proper yoga towels and even proper athletic wear because they can just slip all over the place. So for beginners, beginners, I would never, ever advise them to go to hot yoga. I would always tell them to take classes uh, of regular non-heated yoga first. What about these kind of new fusion things where you see like boxing and yoga or high intensity yeah, workout and yoga? I, I, I don't really like them. <laughs> and I know that it's uh, my opinion only, but I, I'm not a fan of that because, um, for me, fitness is fitness and yoga is something completely different. You can definitely make everything and turn it into yoga by just changing your narrative and changing your mindset. But mixing it up and trying to just put the yoga word um, on something because you're hoping it'll catch and people will come start coming to class, it kind of um, angers me in a way because there's nothing nothing yoga about it you know you're you're doing a couple of boxing drills and then you just what go to downward dog and you call that the yoga portion of it um i i just i'm not a fan i think it's for marketing purposes and i don't i've never actually heard or seen anything or anyone who explained it in a way that i would say oh okay I get it. <laughs> so I think that until that happens, I will stick to my conviction that that's just not yoga. As it has become more popular, do do people still focus or did people ever focus really on the spiritual side of it necessarily? Or has it become something else? I would say that probably the majority of people don't. Um, 
at least not when they start, uh, because a lot of people think that yoga is great for just gaining more flexibility or losing weight or just, you know, trying to do stuff that they couldn't before, like touch their toes. That's regularly what I hear from people. They're like, oh, I don't do yoga, but maybe I should. I can't even touch my toes. So I would say that a lot of people who get hooked on yoga do stay for the spiritual side because they do feel better after that class. And that's what I like to hear from my students and from people that are my friends and yoga practitioners for years. I love it when they say, oh my God, I felt so good after that class. So whether they're not, whether or not they're spiritual, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it, it matters mostly how it makes them feel because, and I don't want to get into the whole religious aspect of it. Um, yoga is still banned in some places and a lot of, uh, Christian communities don't acknowledge that yoga, that just by doing yoga, you're not practically becoming a Buddhist right now. Um, so I don't know how spiritual somebody gets <laughs> once they do yoga, but the, just the feeling of feeling good after a class definitely does a lot for your self-care. Um, my biggest issue is with people who come to the class and they're just very ignorant and non-observant and being very distracting to the people around them uh, because those people are not there for the right reasons. Do you still get people who will come like yoga? We're not doing that. What's yo? You know, that kind oh, of yeah. Still, yeah. I feel like I could have understood that like 10 years ago, but it still happens. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, because people think there are still people who think that yoga is super easy and you do nothing and you just lie on your back and you stretch. Um, and they're like, Oh, I can't do yoga. I need something heavy. I need to uh, run or I need to box or I need to do sports or whatever. And to those people, I always just say, well, that's, you know, that's your choice. You can do whatever you want, but try it. Come to one class and try it. And then see for yourself. Because if even if an, after one class you really don't like it, then don't. Don't come. Because, you know, every person is different. And I totally respect that. I totally respect that. I'm never going to force yoga onto someone. Although I do believe that everybody can benefit from it. Are so, yeah, at the end of the day, it's your choice. <laughs> Are you ready for the harder slash listener submitted questions? Yes. Best yoga pose. Hmm. Best yoga pose. Huh. There are a couple, but my favorites are definitely the warriors. Warrior one, warrior two, because they're so foundational and they're still so freaking hard. Even after like 16 years of doing them, they are really great in, because they implement everything in yoga. They implement strength, mobility, flexibility, composure, stillness. They challenge you every day because they work all the big muscles. So with Warrior One, you are really trying to square off your hips, and that is really difficult with the back leg being straight and your heel down. And with the Warrior Two, you're going deep and trying to put your whole front thigh parallel to the floor which is 
so hard on your muscles and you can end up shaking even after years and years of doing it. Do people have to have like perfect technique or is good enough good enough? Definitely not. Every person is different. Every body is different. And a pose um, in my body will look completely different in your body because your muscles are different. Your uh, hips look different. Your shoulders look different. You have a different height, different weight, um, just different shape. So there's no perfect uh there's definitely no perfect technique. Uh, there are some things that you need to pay attention to, but they change uh, during your practice. And in the beginning, you need to think about them. You need to think about where, how you place your uh, ribs, um, how your belly button uh, has to be up. Um, you have to focus on bringing your shoulders down all the time and stuff like that. But then after a few months of doing it, it just comes comes naturally. So there's no perfect technique, but there are definitely wrong moves. So yeah, I would say that the more you practice, the easier it gets. Most overrated pose. A down dog, for sure. <laughs> Downward facing dog is the most underrated pose because people who who don't have the flexibility hate it in the beginning because the majority of their weight is uh, distributed towards their shoulders and their hand and their arms because they cannot stretch out their legs. Um, so they can't understand what people call it a resting pose. But then also when you do stretch out your legs and your flexibility increases and your heels actually touch the floor, what happens then is people get very sloppy in it because they just literally relax in it. Whereas what you need to do if that happens is move your heels like, an inch back. So you always have something to work on, somewhere to reach to. So I would say that one is the most underrated because it's amazing. It stretches out your whole spine. It relieves the tension from your lower back. It stretches out your hamstrings, your calves. It's pretty amazing if you, if you allow it to be. I may edit this question out. We just got this one in. I don't know if they're serious or not. So kind okay. of... Kind of brace yourself for this okay. one. Is it could be completely serious. It could be somebody joking around. Sure. Person says that they seem to have an issue while doing yoga that they tend to pass gas in the studio. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very, very, very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, flatulence can happen during inversion inversions because what happens is uh your body uh can can attract some air when you're in that position and then when you get back to your non-inverted state you can you can't really control it so sometimes it can get out yeah it's a very uncomfortable situation but in yoga it's a very known uh it's not uncommon so i would say just just try to if that happens just try not to think about it because if you're thinking about it and it makes you feel embarrassed or anything um how would i say that um if I know happens. it's hard not to think about it because it's it's an embarrassing moment. But if 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 your teacher isn't being, uh, uh, how would I say that? 
Support, uh, I don't want to say asshole, but if they don't come to you and tell you not to do it or something like that, then just feel normal. Because if a teacher comes to you and says that to you, then it's their problem. Basically, don't go to that studio. I would say that because there- it's a very known situation. It's kind of like if it ha- it happens, everybody get over it. Yeah, it if it happens, it happens. I mean, you know, everybody does it. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not something that people don't do. <laughs> Is, is there a way for people to know if maybe, I mean, because there's so many places, there's so many teachers. Is there a way to know if somebody maybe has a teacher that like, look, this isn't the best way to do this? Are there like things that they should watch out for or anything like that? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And there are a lot of them. I'll say that. Um, a teacher who doesn't pay attention to his class or her class, uh, a teacher who doesn't feel the energy, who, who keeps on doing her own thing without even, you know, checking out her class. Um, a teacher who notices that, who doesn't notice that half of her class is in resting pose and she's still going hard and kicking everybody's butt makes no sense because then the energy is just not there. And also a teacher who doesn't know how to cue, uh, modifications or, or advancing positions. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of teachers who just come and they show off, you know, and that's hard for me to say as a teacher, but, but it's so true because today there are a lot of people who call themselves teachers without even having any certificates without, you know, without even having anything other than going to yoga class and maybe they've been gymnasts before and they can do certain things so they come to class and they show all these progressions and crazy moves and people are like oh my god they're amazing and then they don't even know how to address the class you know and then also people who don't who don't cue breath breath work Breathwork is the most important part of yoga. It's not about getting a sweat on and burning a thousand calories. It's about finding that that breath to mind to muscle connection through your breath. And if a person doesn't cue that, if they don't know how to kind of convey that message through the class, then that's not a good teacher. That's really all the questions that I got. I mean, what's coming up next for you? If people want to contact you, work with you, what should they do? Yeah, well, um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my profile username is Carla with a K, T-A-F-R-A. Um, and my website is same, so Carla, T-A-F-R-A dot com. And you can always DM me or send me an email um, and let me know whatever questions you might have or you want to work with me or uh, I'm also a nutritionist and I'm a writer. So if you have any um, questions on that realm or you need any nutritional guidance or help, you can always contact me. I want to thank Carla so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have also included her contact information on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. Yoga's fantastic. If you've never done it, you just got to try it. And you've it's definitely one of those things that like you get out what you put in. You have to really try it. Don't kind of half half measure it. Just really try it and you will be hooked. Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. 
after okay, so since we've been dealing with this virus, do you have more faith in people or less faith in people? See, that's that's a tough one for me because, for instance, I, I I've been ad- adhering to the rules, right? That my governor has said, you know, only go out if you need to, go grocery shopping, blah blah blah. So I went out on Saturday, and I was I don't want to say appalled because I understand why people take certain precautions, but I feel like, for instance, I was at the grocery store and the person behind me was literally in like a biohazard suit to that extent and like wouldn't put any of their groceries on the conveyor belt until like, until my last bag was in my cart. The thing is, is that that's probably then the kind of person that like, you're going to get it in the most ridiculous way. Like you can't avoid something that you can't see, right? And going in a biohazard suit to the grocery store is a little bit ridiculous because that person probably then gets home and like touches the gloves of the bio suit and there you got it right there. Right? Like, <laughs> unless you have a decontamination center at your house, basically nothing you do is going to work. Right? I mean, and then your the other part of your point is I'm pretty damn impressed with people. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are as dumb as me but are in the medical field and they're working their asses off, you know, and being adults trying to take care of all these people who are sick. And it's, you know, it, it really does show the resolve of people. But then there's people like, and I, I don't know his his medical history or whatever, or, you know, maybe he is really susceptible. I don't know. But then I feel like there's people that take it to that entire next level. Just It just blows my mind. Well, because that's the kind of person like with the biohazard suit that would do all that stuff to make sure that they didn't touch anything. So then they touch the keypad or whatever it is that everybody at the grocery store is using and they think they're completely fine. And then they go to take off their biohazard suit gloves and they put their mouth on the glove and pull it off. Like <laughs> they yeah, just I mean, completely avoided the whole thing. So basically, look, <laughs> this is my thought on it. I feel like it has reinforced the rule that 10% of people cause 90% of the problems. Everybody at like 90% of the people you can be impressed with and they've done a pretty good job and then there's one idiot that ruins it for everybody. It's completely reinforced that to me. In your life, have you been that idiot most times or are you the other 90%? I'm the kind of person that generally has pretty good ideas and pretty logical thought processes, but Uh. I can be... I can be completely and totally wrong and have no idea, like way <laughs> fucking off base and not have a clue. I mean, I I like to think that I'm the kind of person that usually is wrong, but I can convince a lot of people that I'm right until they actually go and look it up themselves. Yeah, I'm generally right, but when I'm wrong, I'm way wrong. Like I'll be the person that didn't know something that everybody else clearly knew so here's a question and I, i'm not trying to make this political but I'm, I'm i'm curious if you were say a leader it doesn't have to be the president but someone like in front of this virus would you go up there and spray false hope or would you be factual and realistic uh, you know, in that in that moment, I like, how would you handle the situation as a leader? I think the only thing that you can do is to tell people the exact truth of what's going on and be as transparent as possible and say what is the ultimate reality that this could be bad, that we have to take pretty drastic steps to get away from it, 
and that it's going to have a long impact, both in terms of public health and an even longer impact on our economy. You're going to have to make some hard decisions. And just, I, th- I think if you rationalize and tell people the truth and they can make an educated decision, people are generally fine with whatever that information is, as long as you're being forthcoming with it. So when you try to hide it, that you fuck things over. Wow, you actually sounded really, uh, really on cue there. Yeah, let's move on to something else. What do you want? What else do you want to talk about? What's your? Let's hear, <laughs> let's hear your segment. All right. Well, I want to say one more thing. You can cut it out if you want. I will. But you know, I think people that drive me nuts with this whole virus thing are the are the people who are hoarding toilet paper. I I don't understand that logic whatsoever. Like I just don't, I don't get that. But that's a perfect thing of like. One person does th- something, and then everybody has to do it be- to protect yourself from the one dipshit. Like, because one dumbass buys all the toilet paper, now a normal person who would never do it has to go out and buy toilet paper. I mean, I I, I didn't know this until I, I a long time ago, until like five or six years ago. But when you have the flu, which is what the coronavirus is a, is a, is a virus of, that family, you don't necessarily shit your brains out. Like it's a respiratory thing. So why are people buying fucking toilet paper? Like we talked about earlier, 10% of the people, 90% of the problems. One idiot did it and then everybody else has to do it. What, what's the old saying? Like a, a person is intelligent. People as a whole are stupid. <laughs> like if you look Listen, at us. I need to give a shout out to Kroger, uh, Kroger Grocery Stores, hashtag Kroger, the official unofficial sponsor for – Having hand sanitizer, four dollars a bottle, and then if you if you wanted to get two bottles, a second bottle was going to cost you ninety five dollars. That's that's a great idea. Shout out to <laughs> Kroger for that. My local QFC right next door. What's weird is that I'm in Seattle, which Seattle has been dealing with it for longer than anybody. It's kind of like the ground zero, so to speak, of it. That's not happening. People aren't rushing the grocery stores here. See. I- I, I want to believe you, but I also think you downplay things. You're at the epicenter of this entire pandemic in, in America, and you're telling me that it's just life, not as normal per se, but there's no hysteria or panic. The only difference for me is that I can't go to the gym. That's legitimately the only thing. But look, here's the other thing about it. I don't, I don't have any older relatives here. My wife and I are in our 30s, we're relatively healthy, we're not high risk in any way. So for us, it's kind of just you stay away from people a little bit. You go to the playground, you don't touch stuff, you go for walks outside. It's really no different for, for my, my wife and I. Well, you know, you're you're probably spreading it. You're probably the, the real, you're probably patient X. It's called uh, patient zero, by the way. All right, go fuck yourself. Anyways... Uh, let's give some shout outs, huh? Stop talking about this virus and let's, uh, shout out to some people who hopefully are listening to this as we speak and are enjoying it. Uh, we'll start off with Sarah, James, Chuck, old Chucky, uh, Elizabeth, Clayton, Clayton Oppenhusen, uh, Taylor. What? Do you know this person? I have no, I have no idea. Okay. I uh, like how you I'm said the sure name. I destroy your name, uh, Clayton, so I apologize. But, good enthusiasm, uh, though. Good enthusiasm on Clayton. I thought he was like a good buddy of yours. <laughs> no, not, never met him. Probably never will. But he listens, so that's good. Uh, Taylor, uh, Kayla, uh, Alan, John, uh, Gemma, Joanna, Mark, Gwen, uh, Masaki, 
and Mistress Pomf. I saw Thank the, you. I, I saw that for some reason we got followed by a bunch of dominatrixes this week. <laughs> I, I was like, what's my wife looked at my social media accounts and she's like, what's going on here? No explanation. Uh, nothing, honey. Me. Mistress Pomf is uh well no, she's a psychiatrist. She's a great lady. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, all right. I uh, I actually thought about these questions this week, so we'll see if you hate them or like them. You'll okay. probably hate them. Um, would you rather have the ability to read people's minds or to be able to talk to animals? Read people's minds. I wouldn't want to talk to animals at all. If my dog, who's sitting next to me right now, could talk, the only thing <laughs> she would say is, is that mine? Is that mine? Is that mine? Like, they don't have any fucking thoughts. They don't have complex opinions about the world around us. They think of two things. Can I eat that? Can I fuck that? Can I sleep there? So really like you almost every almost every day. <laughs> Pretty much. They, like, just talking to animals is like, oh, that'd be so awesome. They don't have any complex thoughts, right? You're not going to have an existential crisis help with them. That's it. So you might as well read people's minds to know what they really think about you, which is probably not good. I always wonder what certain animals that I've had throughout my life have thought about me. If you could read people's minds, would you be surprised in a positive way about what people thought at you? Or would you be surprised in a negative way? Like, oh man, people think I'm a lot bigger dipshit than I really, than I thought. Uh, I th- you know what? I think for me, it, I, I would be, I, I think I'd be, po- it would be positive. I don't think it'd be that negative. I think mine would be pretty negative. I think oh, a yeah, lot. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, you're a shithead. Yeah, I think people would dislike me a lot more than I think that they do. I'm, for people who don't know me personally, I'm probably a guy that you could secretly hate. And, and not for really any other reason besides just meeting you. Really? Right. No, I completely agree. Like, you you would be nice to my face, but you would probably, like, tell your significant other, like, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> Look at him. He's four foot nine, straight Napoleon complex. Five eight and three quarters, baby. Shout out to USA Life Insurance, which is turning out pretty well right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> God. All right. Um, uh, Ooh, if you had a million dollar life insurance policy on you right now, and you could take a hit from coronavirus, but your family's good to go, are you going to take that hit? What point are you going to go ahead and say, I'm not going to seek medical attention for this? <laughs> I mean, probably when my lungs are 80% full of coronavirus and I can't breathe. No, I mean, in terms of like, if you had a million dollar life insurance policy, are you just going to go ahead and cash in those chips and let it get you? Is it going to be 500000 Like, at what point are you going to say, you know what, it's better for my family if I don't make it through this? Just for the record, I wouldn't do that. Um, and if, I mean, it would have to be the, the million, like the most. What about five million? Would you do it for five? Ooh. Can yeah. I have a family member pass away? <laughs> Can I get the money? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. I would, all right, so let's say you could have a family member pass away and you get their money. Would you take a family member for a million or yourself for five million? My, a family member for a million. I'd take a family member for 500 grand. Yeah, I probably would. I might go 250. <laughs> like, hey, your uncle's going to die and you're going to get $250,000. Hmm. We'll see you, Uncle Jim. Depends how much I need that toilet paper, I guess. <laughs> That's right. All right, what's your next one? 
Uh, so you could be uh, transported back in time to be a king, or you can just continue to live life like how you're living now. What would you do? I was going to really make fun of you for that being a stupid question, and then I actually thought about it. I wouldn't want to go back to like the 1500s, man. Just because it's got to be uncomfortable and just stink. And your life just must have sucked. <laughs> I mean, you know, my wife and I were just having this conversation the other day about even the Spanish flu of 1918. Like, that killed, what, 50 million people? And it was just a flu. Just the medical advances alone are, are worth just living now than any other time in history. Yeah, I would imagine that there's some kind of cutoff where they could say, okay, by this time in history, you were living better than a king at this time in history. I always wondered, like, outside of Elizabeth, or, you know, the Queen Elizabeth, and that, you know, that whole deal, which is falling apart, it seems, like, being a king or a queen at any other point in history wouldn't have been that great, I feel. I don't know. You can probably do a lot of shit. I mean, you just do whatever you wanted. But, I mean, I can do whatever I want in my house right now. There's nothing that I really want to, like, I need to go rule the masses. For what reason? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right. And then the last one, uh, you can either drink from a red Solo cup forever or out of a shot glass forever. Red Which Solo one cup. are you going to pick? Red Solo cup, 100%. Red Solo cups are truly underrated, I feel. No, it's great. I mean, you don't. You can do whatever, right? I mean, you can drink anything out of a red solo cup. I mean, a shot glass. You got to refill it all the time. Red solo cup. You can just fill that thing all the way up. It's more convenient. It's probably cheaper. If you lose it, it's not a big deal. You're not going to drop it and hurt yourself. Red durability, solo though. You know, you got to go glass with the shot glass. No, you don't go durability. But a red solo cup is more durable than a shot glass. Drop one, in the, drop one on the floor. Which one doesn't break? I, I don't know. I, I think you, we're gonna have to. You do have know. A coronavirus experiment. Wait a minute. Are you honestly trying to tell me that if you drop a shot glass on the floor from lip height, and you drop a red solo cup on the floor from lip height, you really think that the red solo cup is the one that's gonna break? I don't think if you're just dropping, no. But I think wear and tear over the course of like a week of use. The shot glass is more durable. I don't know. I don't. Th no, I don't. I would disagree with you on that one. And even if the shot glass is more durable, it's not more durable than like a whole carton of red solo cups, which you can get for roughly the same price. <laughs> and you know, you. Well, I guess you could play liquor pong. I would say you could play beer pong anytime you want it, even against yourself. Okay. Are we? Are All you ready for our top? Are we ready for our top five? Is that it? Are you done? Top five time! Did they cancel WrestleMania? No, but it's... You don't, you don't want me to... Oh, let's hear it. Okay, give me... Convince me about your argument in 20 seconds or less, starting now. There is no convincing. First off, Rob Gronkowski, they just signed to a contract. WrestleMania is going to be split into two nights, and it's going to be done in their performance center in front of nobody. It's a joke. Don't watch it. As soon as you said two nights, though, I lost. Like, I, you had me agreeing with you, and then you said two nights. I was like, ooh, it's two nights. That's much better. <laughs> yeah, you don't want I your wrestling you to be straight. I don't give a shit about any of it, but let me just say that the main event 
is Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. Wait, like Goldberg from 20 years ago, Goldberg? Yes, that <laughs> Goldberg. He's still alive. Wow, okay. All right, well, we nobody cares anyway. Actually, people <laughs> might be slightly interested, but let's just move on anyway. So our top five <laughs> is top five things that you would wait in line for, correct? Uh, yes. Okay, give, yep. me, give me your number five. Uh, like an amusement park ride, like a roller coaster. I would have said yes to you. I would have agreed with you five years ago. Now I've reached an age where like your inner ear starts to deteriorate and you can't, I don't want to go anywhere near those damn things. Anywhere near them. <laughs> go on. Shout out to the wildcat, baby. Got stuck up there for, for half an hour. Listen, I'll tell anybody who wants some insider secrets from two guys who used to live in Orlando, Florida. The greatest roller coaster in Orlando, Florida, out of Universal Studios, SeaWorld, Walt Disney, all of that stuff, is the Woody Woodpecker Rodeo, Woody Woodpecker roller coaster. That's the funnest one. That no, not not even close. But you love it, so it's fine. Fantastic. Goes about ten miles an hour. Gets you some nice turns in there. No line. Woody Woodpecker coaster is the best coaster there, hands down. What's the longest you've rated for an amusement park ride? Uh, uh, people in the Midwest here will know what Cedar Point is. You should know what it is anyways, but uh, I once waited four and a half hours when the Millennium Force opened. Okay, that's a massive waste of time. I wouldn't, I, 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 if it's over 30 minutes, I'm not doing it. I don't care what it is. Yeah, I was much younger then. I could stand on two feet longer than 30 seconds. Uh, my number three is concert tickets. Concert or event tickets. I would wait in a line for that. Okay. So my number four is like waiting to get into a sporting event, like, you know, waiting for the doors to open. Okay. Yeah, that's basically the same kind of thing as mine, like trying to get into an event. I would agree with that. That was your number four? Yep. My number four is probably food. That's that's that I I feel like maybe a lot of people would have waiting for food higher, but I'm just mm, no. See, I think that's way too low. I think it has to be at least in the top two. Okay. So quick disclaimer for people who don't know this, I've brought it up once or twice. I don't have a sense of smell, so food is not that important to me. So I'm just kind of like mm, I don't really give a shit. I'm not waiting. My limit is maybe 15, 20 minutes. If the guy says it's going to be longer than a one drink wait, I'm not going to. Nope. Bye. <laughs> I'll go to KFC. KFC's delicious. Not as good as Long John Silver's. Shout out to Long John Silver's. Go fuck <laughs> yourself, Captain D's. <laughs> wow. Sounds like a, a sponsorship, uh, sponsorship quarrel over there. Um, all right, my number three is uh, waiting to go to the bathroom, like in public places. Oh, that's a good one, man. Wow, that might be – that. honestly, I didn't think of that. That might be a number one. That's <laughs> such a good feeling when you finally get there. Oh, man. It's – yeah, it, 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 I, like, I don't know how to describe it, right? Do you think it, it, it's way worse for a woman, right, to have to like use a porta potty I would assume? I don't know. Do you want me to? I can yell at my wife. She's here. We can find out. <laughs> Let's just move on. It, it probably was a dumb question, since we're both. No. Now men. I want to know if women is do they feel a great feeling after they go to the bathroom, just like men do? Hold on one second. Don. Don. Can you come here for a second? I have a question. 
<laughs> Stand by. She, Standing oh, by. She's a slow walker too. <laughs> she's she one of those people. She's one of those people that if, if she if if she knows you're kind of waiting on her, she's not gonna rush. She's gonna take. <laughs> she's gonna. I like look this literally this whole time she's been walking up eight stairs. It took that long. Okay, now she's making now she's making an excuse about having a baby. So, do women feel really good after having to wait to go to the bathroom a long time? Does it feel really good? Yeah. Okay, now we know. There it is. But like, as good as sex. Like, oh, I finally went to the bathroom. No, okay, well, it's apparently better. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it depends who you're having sex with. Mm, and apparently it's not working out that well in the Vincent household. Okay, what, <laughs> what number are we on now that we have an answer to this question that all women already knew and really we should have known already? We're on year number three. Okay, mine is different here. Just, just stay with me. The DMV, the place you get a driver's license at. The only reason I say that is that you have to fucking do it. You have no choice but to wait in that line. And the rewards of being in that line is you can go to bars, you can drive. Like the re- the the inconvenience to reward ratio there makes it worth it, even though it's a terrible experience. I'm actually quite impressed. That's I didn't even think of that. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. It's an awful place, but you have to do it. What's your what's your number two? Uh so my number two is food. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Longest you've waited for longest you've waited for like a table. Uh well, I'm gonna sound like a pompous asshole. I don't I don't usually like to wait. So if I'm kinda like you, if it's over a drink, like if you know, if it's twenty minutes, ten minutes, uh However long it takes me to finish that drink, if it's not ready by then, I get angry or upset and I just walk out. Nice. I hope you wait like right at the amount of time, like where if you would have waited two more minutes, they would have called you, but you like storm out and then the waiter or the hostess is just like, that guy should have waited. I've actually had it like where I've been with my wife and like, I'll be like, fuck this. And I, and I walk out. And she follows me, and she'll be like, the table's ready. And I'll be like, oh, fuck it. We're having Taco Bell tonight. <laughs> How are you still married? <laughs> I think anybody in my life would ask you the same thing. I don't know. And the problem is, my wife's actually a pretty good person, too. Like, I don't understand how, you know, and, and we're, you know, we're about, she's about to give birth to, to our second child. I don't, under, I don't understand, first off, how I could ever have sex with somebody, let alone be married to her. I don't, I don't get it. No, no one does. What's your number one? Uh, did you say your number two yet? Oh, my number two is getting into a good bar. Okay, see that? I thought about putting that on there, but then I was like, have I ever waited in line to get into a bar? I don't, I don't think I have, other than maybe like a dance club every now and again. I would say, but that's worth waiting in a good line for. But I'm not going to wait that long. I really wouldn't <laughs> wait for anything over 30 minutes. I don't think I would. And that number decreases as you get older. That's why old people show up for dinner at like four o'clock. <laughs> what's what's the median time of the Vincent dinner now? Five thirty? Oh no. My I, I eat at like nine o'clock. My parents <laughs> my parents eat at like five. And my dad who's in his seventies gets cranky as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
like insufferable to be even be around, which I which I hate and also respect. Because once you get that old, like screw everybody else, I'm sick of this shit. Where's my stuff? <laughs> Where's my chicken enchilada soup? God damn it! Yeah, they they why they ain't got time to wait, man. <laughs> they got no time. What's your number one? Uh, alcohol. You would wait in a line for alcohol? Oh, like so at the bar? What, what I mean by this is, you know, like when you're at the bar waiting or at a bar waiting or like at a like a beer festival or like one of those where you wait in the lines, you know, to get the beers. Like if you go to a summertime beer festival and you're waiting in line for like, say, 10 minutes and you finally get up there and get a beer that you've been wanting to try and it's just so cold and it's so hot outside, it's better than sex. If do you have a strategy for trying to get to like the bartender to notice you? What's your strategy? <laughs> uh sober or not sober? Give me both. Uh not sober is all about positioning, right? You have to be in right. the right position mm. for them to see you, which is usually like the corner of the bar, like not the corner corner but like, you know, like not in the middle kind of in the you know, in the elbow area like where the bar starts to bend. Right. Right. And then drunk is just, you know, hey, give me another shot. You're pretty. It turns out it's a guy, but that's okay. Yeah, well, you look, know, that's happened as, a couple as, times. As a, as, as a former bartender, I can tell you the corner strategy works. Because your eyes just kind of naturally go to the corner. Like if you can get into the corner or if you can get into that area where the waitresses or waiters come up and order drinks – that's a good spot to be. If you're stuck in the middle, you're in no man's land. It's it's you're gonna be there for a long time. My number one is nothing. <laughs> nothing is worth waiting in line to me. Nothing. I mean, I like I like you said earlier. I I probably have a, a true time limit of fifteen to twenty minutes. That that's kind of it. I mean, I you know, and it twenty minutes has to be like for a restaurant or you know. You know, sex, something like that. I don't know. I mean, think about how – look, we waited 22 years for sex. <laughs> wow. Tw- I mean, I think I was 24 before I lost my virginity. Oh, I was early? <laughs> Who's the <laughs> oldest virgin that you know? Do I have to, like, know them personally? Give me both. How old's Chris Gadd? <sighs> 38. He doesn't <laughs> count because he has prostitutes. Oh, well. Legitimately. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I guess like early twenties, maybe. I, I I don't know. I don't. I think the older you get, the less you like, you know, care about if someone's a virgin or not. I don't think that I ever necessarily cared, but if somebody over the age of like twenty one said that, I'd be like, whoa, what? No, I know a guy who might have been like twenty four. Yeah, I'm gonna say twenty four is probably the oldest virgin that I knew. <laughs> I mean, I. One thing I can't stand are people who wear purity rings. Oh, I didn't even seen that. I'm from Kansas. Like that's just an invitation for guys to like take your virginity. Like, why would you? You know, why? Why would you even do that? It just makes no sense to me. It must be a hipster thing. Just to let the people know. What is it? Purity? I don't even want to. I don't even care. Honestly. (laughs) Because like first Send off, a purity ring, somebody, please. I don't, be- I don't believe you at all. That's the kind of person to be like, I'm pure, I'm a virgin. Anal doesn't count. Like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> fucking liar. 
Yeah, that's. Does anal count I, for virginity? Like, are you still I, I don't technically know. That's a virgin? The same kind of person that in a pandemic buys all the toilet paper. I don't know. I think it might actually count. I don't think that it counts against your score necessarily. <laughs> I think it does. It's called anal sex for a reason. But it's not. Are you still a virgin if you've only had that? <laughs> I mean, for guy or girl. Well, maybe well, that should be. Our, maybe we should have a. You know. Get a hold of one of our many experts on the topic and ask them that question. We'll find out. We'll get cracking on this research as quick as possible. What's in your honorable mention? Um, so not much. Uh, I have like waiting for like an autograph or like at a comic con. Who did you get an autograph from at a comic con? I, I I haven't. I I I wouldn't wait except for like three people maybe. Who would and you even wait? then I probably wouldn't wait. Are we going to talk about the fact that you're now a Bucks fan? I'm not a Bucks fan. Um, I, I'm still not entirely sure what I think about, and Nick's referring to Tom Brady for everyone who doesn't know, uh, that he is no longer New England Patriot and now signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I will say that I, I think if he wins another Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then everyone who even questions whether or not he's the greatest football player of all time needs to shut the hell up because he 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 is by he already is but he would have just cemented it even further if he wins a Super Bowl with that piece of shit team. Uh Leon Lett is the greatest football player of all time. The only <laughs> man to win 3 Super Bowls and be caught with over 500 pounds of weed. That's the greatest <laughs> football player of all time. Who do you think would win in a drug off? Him or Lawrence Taylor? I mean, he got 500 pounds of weed. That's a lot of weed. I mean, that's a lot. Like, just imagine loading that amount of weed into your car and thinking that that's going to, like, this is a good idea. I'm not going to get caught at all. I mean, that's two of me for fuck's sake. That's a lot of weed. If you were going to take that amount of weed and drive it across straight lines, what kind of car would you get? Probably like like an F-150 or something. You'd have to get a pickup truck, right? You'd have to have something yeah. that didn't like show that you had f- or a big one of those big Astro vans, like something that's used to hauling cargo. <laughs> or I just say fuck it and just carry it on my, uh, you know, like in a wagon. I just try to go that way. Strap it to your roof. Style. Strap it to your roof with a sign that says <laughs> "Not Weed" on it. <laughs> no, officer, I swear it's uh, it just smells like pine cones in the middle of Texas. I swear. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Right now, we're actually counting down on our social media sites. We're counting down to 100 because we're going to hit our 100th episode soon. And so we wanted to count down all of our most popular episodes. And while we're doing that, we're going to pick a couple of people, and you're going to get a free T-shirt. All you have to do for that, just follow us on social media, subscribe to the show, send us a little thing that's like, hey, look, I subscribe to your show. Even if it's just to get the free T-shirt, it's a legitimately a nice T-shirt. I mean, we were going to get the one that was a little bit cheaper, and then we tried the one that was a little bit nicer than the cheapest one, and then we went one level above that. It's legitimate, like, if you got it, even if you hated it, you're like, oh, that's a pretty nice t-shirt. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.